What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. We got a special mid-morning show going on. I reached out to a friend of it. I'm sorry, a friend of the show, John Chapkevich. He's been on the show a number of times uh, during draft coverage. Uh, I don't remember the last time John was on the show, but I will definitely not forget uh, pre-2020 NBA draft, John talked about Xavier Tillman and his skill set and what he could bring to the Grizzlies. And I think that he knocked that one out of the park. Nobody, none of the Grizz fans, I, I think, expected Xavier Tillman to come in and play the type of role that he has played for this team. And John was on him early. So I, I will always appreciate him for that. Uh, and back, was it October 22, whenever you joined Draft Express, John? Yeah, right around then, I believe. John is the director of scouting for Draft Express and has a wide range of knowledge whenever it comes to prospects. If you're not following him on Twitter, he's at John, J-O-N-C-H-E-P. C-H-E-P. Go and give him a follow. He's always talking about different prospects, and he will open your eyes to guys that you may or may not know about already. John, the, the reason we got you here today, uh, the Grizzlies signed two new players to 10-day contracts. And one of them, Grizz Nation, is well aware of. They've been campaigning for Trey Jemison because the Grizzlies needed uh, a true big instead of the undersized bigs that they had. The other one is uh, Tosan Iwoma. I, I may have butchered that last name, so I apologize if I did. But, John, let, let's talk about Trey Jemison first. The Grizzlies fans are kind of familiar with him. They know that he, he rebounds well. He, he's a guy that they like. Uh, he just seems like a really scrappy big. What is he going to bring to this team? So Trey is exactly what you laid out there, being a, a scrappy big. Um, and he has kind of an interesting path getting to where he is in that, uh, you know, he initially was at Clemson for a couple of years, not getting a ton of tick, transferred to UAB, where he ended up being their starting center for three years. But didn't have some sort of, you know, sexy draft profile coming out of his final year there was, you know, not a guy that NBA teams were thinking all that much about until the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament where, um, you know, 64 of the top seniors in the country go and perform in front of NBA scouts and executives. And at Portsmouth, he just really stood out with how big and physical and strong and nasty he is in the paint. And, you know, he just has this this knack for doing all the dirty work. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be successful on either end of the court. Really showed out at Portsmouth and had a big game, a 20.14 rebound double-double there, which we've seen a bunch of those now in the G League as well. He just continues putting up numbers and he doesn't need the ball, doesn't need post-ups, hits the glass, protects the paint, walls up. It, it's a guy that uh, I think makes a lot of sense to bring up on a 10-day and give a shot. So how does he, on the defensive end of the floor, going back, looking at his college stats, you can see that that he is a rim protector. He does pretty good. I think he averaged his three years at UAB, it was around 1.8 blocks a game uh, over that time. Um, it, what's he going to look like if he gets out there in a pick and roll and he gets switched onto a guard? Is he going to be able to hold his own out there or are they going to just tear him down? Uh, I, I don't think that he's uh, slow of foot necessarily. You know, I, it's hard to expect someone like that to be switching out onto maybe the best, quickest, most jitterbug uh, point guards in the NBA or something, right? But I, I think he moves well enough to hold his own. And then I think what helps him out a lot is when 
you know, if a smaller guard is getting downhill, he's just so big and wide bodied and strong and jacked that, you know, it's like running into a brick wall when they try to drive into him and he can bump guys off their spots while maintaining his position and not fouling. So, you know, even if it doesn't result in a blocked shot, he, he's throwing guys off the rhythm and making it more difficult to find that attack angle to the rim. So the the Grizzlies, the, the fan base, they have been campaigning for a big, uh, you know, they, Xavier Tillman uh, plays well anytime that his number is called. But the Grizzlies just didn't have like a, a true seven-footer. Jaron Jackson, um, you know, whether you think he is uh, going to be able to play the, a true five position, he's just not a plus rebounder. And so that this is kind of the the prototype that the Grizzlies fans have been campaigning for. Do you think that Trey has what it takes to to stick in the league? I know you know he, he signed a ten day earlier in the season with the Wizards, but I don't think he got really any run in that ten day with with them at all. Yeah, he didn't get much time in that ten day, but now now is sort of the time of year where you see a lot of teams cycling through ten day guys and you know, what those teams are expecting out of those players varies from situation to situation. Some just need like a live body to have in there on the roster. Um, you know, if somebody's hurt or something, other times it is a team that's trying to sort of gain further information on a young guy that they think could potentially be a long-term piece. So it's to be determined. We'll see how Memphis ends up using him. But I, I think, you know, given where Memphis is in their season, how things have gone, what the record is, all the injury issues throughout the course of the year, I would imagine that that front office is, you know, maybe trying to bring in a few guys on 10 days, see what they have. If someone shows something that is indicative of them, you know, warranting a long-term look, this is a great opportunity to kind of suss that out and give some guys some playing time that you might not have expected. So we'll see. I, I think it makes sense in that you know with Steven Adams being out like he can if he does play I think some of that is the idea of what you would look for him to try to do right um and like I was alluding to before with him not uh needing the ball to be successful like and you'll see when when he was at UAB he played alongside Jelly Walker who's like a high usage small scoring guard Right. And Jelly Walker is putting up crazy stats in the G League now. Uh, but it's hard for guys like that to get real cracks at the NBA as a small, high volume guard, because that's just not going to be your role at the next level. Whereas what Trey is doing in the G League aligns pretty closely to what actually could be scalable to the NBA. So we'll see if uh, Memphis gives him a real crack at minutes. I'd be interested to see how he fares. Yeah, I think, you know, with, with the state that the roster is in, the there should be opportunity, you know, whether he actually gets in there and gets run or not, we will we will see. But I, I hope that they they give him some playing time. I'm again I'm, I went back and kind of watched some some tape on him whenever I saw Grizzlies fans start talking about him and, and I'm like, okay, let me see what they're, you know, getting all riled up about. So I think that he has a lot of tools that can help this team. And one thing you can't teach is seven foot, and he he is that. So that's a that's a big plus. So I, I don't want to keep you uh, too long here this morning, but I do want to talk about the other signing. This is a guy that um, I, I know nothing about. Uh, ahead of this 10-day, um, I don't know that I've ever 
watch this guy play at all. And uh, John, you can correct me if I get his name wrong. I, I look at uh, Tosan Iwoma, six uh, eight forward. He played college ball in Princeton, where he averaged twelve five and four. And then he's been playing for the Pistons G League affiliate, the Motor City Crews, where he's averaging sixteen nine and three. Um, well, what do you expect from from Tosan? And then and then tell me, just tell me about him in general because I I, I just don't know anything other than the stats that I just read. That's all I know about him. What type of player is he? He's a pretty unusual player, which I think is what makes him fascinating. So. You know, a little bit of the backstory is that he grew up in England, uh, played on the British uh, U18 team in the summers of 2018 and 2019, ends up going to Princeton. And, you know, ultimately his final year at Princeton uh, helped lead them to the Sweet 16, which was the furthest that they've advanced in the tournament since 1967. So that's where a lot of... uh, you know, the Memphis fans might be familiar with him as from that NCAA tournament run and kind of the magic that they captured um, taking down Arizona, I think, and a couple others in the course of that uh, March Madness run. Uh, but what what's interesting about his game is he's this sort of, you know, six eight guy that was somewhat playing center in college, but is you know more of a forward that really likes to pass the ball. Like they would operate with him out of the elbows, facing up from the top of the key, hitting back cutters with crisp bounce passes. He just has an unorthodox way of going about his game, a weird pace to his game that you just aren't used to seeing, and he can really pass the ball at his size. So uh, I think it's been a good sign to see the production that he had his final year at Princeton basically is mirroring what he's doing in the G League now. Um, on even better uh, efficiency splits. So, you know, he's a guy who signed an Exhibit 10 contract with Motor City and the Detroit Pistons uh, right after the draft. And people have been somewhat clamoring for him to be a two-way contract candidate. So I think it makes sense now that he's uh, he's getting this 10-day opportunity. And uh, he's a weird player, but a fun player that I think if he gets out there and is enabled to kind of play his unorthodox game at the NBA level, um, Memphis fans could fall in love with them. So so what do you think his his role, like an ideal role, would, would he be like a like a playmaking three in, in the league? Is that kind of, you know, you say he's a, a, a weird player, unorthodox. Where do you think the best fit would hit for him would be? Yeah, pro- probably more of a playmaking four. Um, you know, he's – Six eight plus in shoes has a seven one and a half wingspan, so he has he has enough size to play the four. Um, and I think you could use him in some some interesting w- ways, like operating out of short rolls, making making plays out of there. And now he's like learning to shoot it a little bit more. Right at Princeton, he didn't shoot very many threes. He only took one three per game his final year. He's more than doubled that volume and is up to like 35-ish percent in the G League now. So he's he's still not like a super viable shooter, but he's opening things up a little bit. Um, but I think kind of a, a playmaking four-man is the mold that you would be looking for. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing him. Like it, you know, on these 10 days, the guys don't always get run. Don't know that we will see much of either of these guys. I hope that we do – just based off of the, the way that the season has gone for the Grizzlies, because expectations coming in, 
were very high and then kind of the, the wheels have just fallen off. So we get to see guys like Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams Jr. emerge as what looks like they're going to be contributors to this team moving forward. Um, and, and I'll actually, I, I didn't talk to you about this before the show. So I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Gigi Jackson out of South Carolina, um, th- we we covered him in our draft coverage, and he was a guy that we knew could score the basketball. But what what were your expectations for Gigi coming into the league? Did you think that he was going to have the success that he's having this early on? Uh, no, no, I, I didn't, honestly. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who came in with uh, a lot of pedigree out of high school. He kind of got vaulted up to – you know, one of the top spots in his recruiting class, reclassed, went to college really early, right? Like played the early part of his freshman season as a 17-year-old. And just kind of the nature of how that season went, it was pretty messy, pretty sloppy, a lot of, you know, inefficient shot selection. Um, He didn't really necessarily put the best resume in place uh, coming into the draft. So I wasn't you know, I wasn't surprised to see him fall to where he did in the draft, but at that point, it made sense to take a swing on the upside and the talent. And, you know, if the whole team in Memphis right now was healthy and, um, you know, all out there clicking on all cylinders, he might not have gotten this opportunity that he's getting now. But uh, like you were alluding to, that's that's sort of become, I think, the primary focus of this season and where the most value can be gleaned for the the team and the front office and everyone is getting these guys more reps than maybe they were anticipating and learning more about, you know, some of the deeper, deeper guys on the roster. So it's been, it's been good to see Gigi come out and uh, perform a little bit better than expected so far. And uh, you know, it's encouraging for the future. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I think a hundred percent, if this team was healthy, that he would, he would have been in the G League all year. I don't think that, uh, you know, maybe end of the season, whenever you're kind of letting guys rest to get ready for the playoffs, you would see him in short spurts. But I, I don't think if they were healthy that you saw him at the 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 big level much at all this season. So, John, I, I appreciate your time. I hate that I left you waiting. John snuck in on me. I didn't get the notification that he was in here. So I think we sat here in silence for a few minutes before we started recording. Uh, I'll give you the floor here before we get out of here. Can you uh, just let everybody know where they can find you? And I know um, outside of the the draft express stuff, I, I saw on your page that you you have your rankings, right? The top thirty for this uh, upcoming NBA draft class. Where can people find that and and just find your your content in general? Yeah, I would say the best place would just be to follow me on x or twitter or whatever you want to call it at john chep j-o-n-c-h-e-p um be sure to follow all things draft express on social media as well um at draft express on every social platform um and then my website that i still maintain some things on there and what you were alluding to is the uh the consensus big board for this class where i aggregate a bunch of different uh scouting outlets mock drafts big boards things like that to kind of form a consensus market value on uh, the prospects in this class. So right now uh, I released just the top 30 of that until the algorithm sort of stabilizes, Um, but that'll expand out and have all kinds of fun stuff throughout the rest of the year with uh, when we get to draft declarations and eventually undrafted free agents, agency signings, 
you can find all of that at rookiescale.com. All right, John, thanks again for coming on with us. Guys, we'll go ahead and get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA DWill21. We will be back more than likely Friday night with a uh, kind of a doubleheader talking about Thursday night's game and Friday's game. Uh, until next time, go Grizz.